ready to take a ride, grab your coffee, and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening, you're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. Everybody, welcome aboard. We're excited to be here. Season 13 is what we're in this year. And we're on a season 13 schedule, which is Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Pacific, which is uh, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. And if you miss these programs live, please check out the uh, many ways you can get them as an MP3 over at OmegaManRadio.com. Well, we're doing four shows straight tonight. We're excited to be here with Brother John Terrell. And then at the top of the hour, we're going to have Paul and Rebecca Allen Jones on. Uh, Brother John, we'll get started. Would you like to open us up in prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you. We again have an Omega Man radio program here. And I just want to praise you right now for this opportunity. I need an anointing, Father God, from the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that when we ask for the Holy Spirit, you are there. You always give it to us. And I ask also, Father God, for the Holy Spirit to be upon everyone that listens now and later, so that, Father God, they will be able to understand exactly what I'm trying to share with them. And I thank and I praise you for that now, in Jesus' name, amen. And I say amen. Brother John, as we're getting started, for those who may not have heard you speak before, give out your contact information. We have our website where we have all the information on, which is eaec.org, European American Evangelistic Crusades. And uh, you can find there uh, uh, our webcast that we do every Sunday. You can also find there uh, <clears throat> writings that I have done, articles, there are books. Uh, I've so I have six hundred about six hundred and fifty sermon videos on our website, and of course we add one every week, so they increase. Uh, we're located in the Greater Sacramento area in California. We have a small country church here, and if people living in the Greater Sacramento area, we would love to have you come <clears throat> and be with us during our Sunday morning worship. So you can just go to our website and find out what we have there. So <clears throat> that's about it. But I, uh, about that, I'm trying to. <clears throat> so, uh, Shannon, I'm trying. I got take my papers all shuffled around. But you asked me that. That's all right. You take your time and get reshuffled, uh, folks. Okay. Uh, we are excited to be here with Pastor John Terrell. Every week. Now, his website is eaec.org. I want you to mark that down. And uh, while you're over there, look for a autobiography that has just been released, which is an amazing timeline of ministry. And uh, also pick up a copy of Christian Dynamics. That's a good starting point right there um, to further your Christian walk especially new Christians out there. We're excited to have you. I hope that you tuning in will invite a friend. You know, growing up, Brother John, uh, we used to have um, challenges in Sunday school to see who could bring the most people in next week for the service. They would give a prize out sometime. And uh, yeah. that's we would try to invite our friends. One time I invited a Catholic friend, and uh, he lived right next door to me in Northern Virginia. And he came over actually on a Wednesday night service and loved church so much, Brother John, uh, it was something new and exciting. I mean, the, he felt the joy of the Lord compared to his uh, strict Catholic upbringing. And uh, I got called over to his house and got a lecture from his mother. I'll never forget it. Our our son just can't go to your church. I, I want you to just understand that when the Bible says that Christ said to Peter, Peter you are the rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Brother, she began to give me this uh, diatribe that the Catholic Church was the one and only true church, and sadly, my friend Greg Gents never got to come back to our Pentecostal church. (laughs) And I never forgot that. It was sad. She nipped it in the bud. But uh, praise God for the freedom that we have on Internet Radio. Maybe that was you. 
raised a Catholic church and it didn't turn out like you thought it was. And somehow or another, you have found your way over here. Well, we are full gospel and I'm proud of that. And I encourage you to tune in often. Uh, on Mega Man Radio is unlike uh, any other podcast out there. I guarantee you to check that out and see if that's true or not. we got 10,400 shows and growing. And uh, with that, we're going to get started on another episode right now. Brother John, you ready? I am ready. Take it away. <laughs> okay. I'm uh, teaching out of uh, lesson number 50 of a book that I wrote that is called Christian Dynamics, course number four. And uh, we have sold out that book. But if you're interested in that, so I continue teaching here from that book. Uh, you can go to our website and just put in a request that you would like to have the chapter 50 that uh, I'm working on here today. And uh, the name of this particular lesson is uh, Turn in God and Turn Off Satan. We're talking about how to get guidance for a Christian. And I want to start today by saying how to define the Bible. You might say, well, what does that have to do with guidance? It has to do a whole lot with guidance. Because guidance comes from the Bible. And so we need to define what is a Bible. And we're going to start on that right now. The Apostle Peter, he walked with Jesus for some three years, three and a half years actually. He saw him after his resurrection. He walked with him for an additional 40 days during which he was further instructed in the counsel of God. At the time, Peter wrote his epistles. Only the Old Testament, as we have today, was considered scripture. So let me give you a timeline here. Jesus did not write down anything himself the apostles did not write down anything during the time they were with Jesus the mindset of the apostles was that Jesus was going to come back very shortly after his resurrection and There was no need to write anything down. They were preaching. They were talking. They had memory. They had uh, knowledge of Jesus and what he taught and so on. So that was spread. But they did not write it down because they felt that the return of Jesus was imminent. After about... 35 to 40 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Peter realized uh, that he was about ready to leave this earth. He was probably up in age at that time, I would say probably up between 70 and and 80 years old. And uh, so he realized Jesus is not coming back right now. And I'm about ready to go. I need to write down what God has given me. And he wrote first and second Peter. I'm going to read to you right now for second Peter chapter one, verses 16 through 21. For we are not following cunningly. That means smart or conniving devised fables or stories. And we have made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. We received from God the Father honor and glory when it came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well placed. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. We also have a more sure word, a prophecy, whereunto you do well to take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place, 
until the day dawn and the day start rising the hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time, but by the will of man, came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Let's go back now to the setting here. At the time that Peter wrote this down, and we are now looking at maybe around 60 or 65 A.D., after the birth of, after Jesus' incarnation. The only thing written down was the Torah, the five books of Moses, and the prophets, and the writings, what we call the Old Testament. In addition to that, the Jews had another two sets of books, one was the Talmud, which consisted of about 550 books. And the Talmud is a written commentary on the Old Testament by rabbis for the time they were in Babylon, about 550 years before Christ. And also they have added into the Talmud a lot of things that is called the elder, the tradition of the elders. So all the things that they tried to fight with Jesus with was found in the Talmud, which talked about that you had to do certain things. You could only do this on the Sabbath day, and they had all kinds of different laws and regulation. As a Talmud. Then we have the Kabbalah. This is another set of books, one of about 500. And uh, the Talmud dates back to Babylon. So that's time-wise about 500 years before Christ. The, Tal- the Kabbalah dates back to the time around King Solomon, which is about 900 years before Christ. And so the Talmud has has one set of teaching, it's a commentary. The Kabbalah is a total different set. It does not talk about the Old Testament, it doesn't talk about the Talmud. It is simply another set of a belief system that is gonna be the foundation of the religion of the coming future Antichrist. So, the New Testament did not exist at the time that Peter wrote this down. Paul was writing, and then, of course, we had Matthew, which his name was also Levi, and we had Mark, who was a direct disciple of Peter, and then, of course, we had Luke, and then we had uh, James, and John wrote down their epistles and so on. All the writings of the apostles and of immediate apostles, like Mark, that was immediately under an apostle, or Luke, that was under the apostle Paul. Their writings were spread out in the Roman Empire. And then around 100 AD, the second generation of preachers, which would be Timothy, Titus, and others that have been raised under the apostles. They all had a meeting because there were now so many writings about Jesus. We had the Gospel of Barnabas, we had uh, all kind of different Gospels that people had written. So they had the church leadership, the core leadership, second generation now, 
they sat down and simply said, we have to get this chaos out of the church. We have to settle down what is going to be the New Testament, what is going to be Scripture. And the criteria they had was that it had to be written by an apostle or by a direct follower of an apostle. And that is how we got the New Testament as we have it today. So that's the background on the New Testament. It was originally written in Greek because Greek was a language of the Roman Empire at that particular time. And just like you have English today, uh, you can go any place in the world today and you will find that people speak English. They, they simply had to learn it in school because if you want to have an international business, if you want to uh, do studying and stuff like this and go places uh, in different countries, everything is in English. Uh, you don't find it is in Russian, you don't find it in German or, or French. English is a language today that is the world language. And Greek was a world language at the time that this was written down. So let me read here now from Lesson 50 here, what I got. I'm on page number four. The Apostle Peter walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Then saw him at his resurrection. He walked with him for additional 40 days during which he was further instructed in the counsel of God. At the time Peter wrote his epistle, only the Old Testament as we have today was considered scripture. The, Ap the Apocrypha, as presented in the Roman Catholic Bible, was not included. The Apocrypha was a name given by Jerome to a set of books, including in the Septuagint. Now the Septuagint was a Greek translation of the Old Testament, which was done in Egypt. And so, when that group of Jews translated the Old Testament to, to Greek, they included the Apocrypha, which means hidden or concealed. The Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Old Testament that was translated during the late 3rd century B.C. and early in the 2nd century B.C. The official Jewish lead in Jerusalem never accepted the Apocrypha. So there are two lines here in Judaism at that time. We had the Jerusalem leadership, and they said, we do not accept the Apocrypha. It is not scripture. It's just writings, just like we have many books written today. But they're not, they're not the Bible. In Egypt, particularly in Cyrene, we had more than a million Jews living in Egypt. Cyrene is what today will be uh, <clears throat> Libya. And so the wealthy Jews, the powerful, influential political Jews lived in Egypt and in Cyrene, which is a province of Egypt. And they had the Septuagint, and they had the Apocrypha. At the time of the Reformation by Martin Luther, about 1530 A.D., the Apocrypha was again rejected. Jesus never directly quoted them, either, except from one book, the book of Enoch. Neither do we find any parts of referring to the Apocrypha scripture. 
There are also about 100 books in New Testament, Apocrypha. There is an Old Testament Apocrypha. There is a New Testament Apocrypha. These books were written before Jesus and some were written after Jesus. And these 100 books written after Jesus were never received any recognition from the main Christian church for the ages. The definition of scripture at the time of the apostles was that they were considered to be given by God under divine inspiration and therefore without error. And that is a scripture we just read from the apostle Peter. Why is it important that, that I talk about the Bible? Because, let me see if I can illustrate that for you. In the United States, we have a constitution. The constitution was written as a nation was founded in 1776. And they labored to write a constitution for the United States. That constitution then had have some amendments that and an amendment to a constitution is not easy to do because it has to go through the uh, the, the House of Representatives, the Senate, got to be signed by the President, and it then has to be ratified by two-thirds of the state of the states. So to get an amendment is gonna take a number of years and it's very difficult. And when people do an amendment they want to make sure that the constitution is not changed. It's just clarified. This document now the Constitution and the amendments have been governing the United States for 200 some odd years. 76, 86, 96, about, well, you get it close to about 300 years. That means that we have a stability in this nation. We have a document that is simply a constitution it will not change. And so it doesn't matter if it was a generation of the 1700, 1800, 1900, or generation now. We all hold the same thing. There is no change. It stays the same. Now, if you go to other countries, for example, Israel has no constitution. When they formed the nation in 1948, they could not agree upon a constitution, so they simply agreed to not have a constitution. And that's the reason that we have judicial reforms right now in Israel, and half the country is up in arms, and there is a tremendous strife in Israel right now between those that want judicial reform and those that do not want it. So they, they, so they have no stability. England has had a, not a constitution, but they've had written down a government articles, and they have been somewhat stable, but they can change things around. Other countries in Europe do not have constitution, or they change them. For example, Sweden, which is a country that is more than a thousand years old, have changed its constitution so many times that there is no stability in the country. Whoever is in charge start making changes, and then the next group coming in, opposite to them, they make changes, and so we have no stability. The Bible, as it was made, and canonized, canonized meant they didn't shoot it, but they closed it. 
as of 100 AD consisted of the Old Testament and the New Testament as we have it now today in the King James Version. That means that a preacher that was preaching 1850 had the same Bible that I have today. No change. If I have a King James, they forgot what I call bastard Bibles, then there have been changes in there, which means that the message changes. Just like the Constitution stays the same. The same with the Bible. It's the same. Generation to generation to generation, it does not change. Because the Word of God is eternal, it does not change. And what was good for Moses, Joshua, King David, and so on, is still good for us today. No change. That gives stability. So we simply know that what God said yesterday, he's going to say tomorrow, and what he said tomorrow, he's saying today. No change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, that brings me now to the book of Enoch. And the book of Enoch was part of the Apocrypha of the Old Testament. And it is a very peculiar book because Enoch was a very special man. And um, I want to read about what the Bible says about Enoch. And I'm going to go here to the Old Testament. I'm going to go to um, Genesis. And uh, we're going to read from chapter 5. That's Genesis chapter 5 and verse number I'm going to start here in verse 18. And Jared lived 162 years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and beget Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he beget Methuselah for three hundred years, and he beget sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God took him. He's one of the men that never died a physical death. He simply was picked up by the Holy Spirit, or actually by angels. Now, if we go now to the book of Revelation, and the uh, and not Revelation, I want to go to the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11. And we read this in Hebrews 11, 5. By faith, Enoch was translated, he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. The three men that stand out in a time before the flood. We had Seth, which was a son after 
Cain and Abel had, had lived, after Cain had killed Abel. We have Enoch and we have Noah. These are three godly men that stands out prior to the flood. What does the book of Enoch tell us? The book of Enoch, he wrote down his relationship with God, actually Jesus, and his trips to heaven. So the book of Enoch is very similar to the book of Revelation in this way, that the apostle John was taken up into heaven and from Jesus received the book of Revelation, which is a layout of future events <clears throat> the very end time. It's amazing now that people that are attacking the Bible, they do attack the book of Enoch, and they also do attack the, the book of Revelation because they do not like these two writings because they indicate that there is a God, that he knows what he's doing, and that he has foretold the future. So with that, let me read here from my outline here about the book of Enoch, and I'll tell you why it is important, because the book of Enoch was quoted by Jesus. Jesus quoted the book of Enoch. Peter, the apostle, quoted the book of Enoch. And Jude quoted the book of Enoch. And there are other places in the, in the New Testament where the writers quoted from Enoch. So let's read. The books of Enoch, during the first century of the Christian church, there was a certain passage from the book of Enoch that were quoted and inserted in the New Testament. There are also quotes for the books of Enoch in the Old Testament. The books of Enoch was preserved by the descendants of Abraham, not Gentile nations. The books of Enoch dates back to the period before the flood, which took place 1,676 years after the fall of Adam. The books of Enoch was to be preserved by Noah and his sons, just like Noah had preserved the early writings of the book of Genesis. And we must remember that Enoch was Noah's great great grandfather it says in the book of Enoch he is told to write down because he didn't write down things to begin with he just told people and then he was told write down so generations in the future will have this it is obvious that the knowledge of the creation life of Adam and Eve would be passed on from generation to generation. A written down record or an oral record passed from father to son for generations are the same. When the flood took place, there were only four men surviving, Noah and his three sons. I personally believe that the information now written down in the books of Enoch are true and reflect how life was during the terrible time of horror that is referred to as the days of Noah and that leads me to Matthew chapter 24 so I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37 and 39 and here we go. 
Jesus said this, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage unto the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I had read that for a number of years, but it was probably back in the 1990s as I was preaching on future events that it hit me as the days of Noah were before the flood so shall it be again before Jesus comes back and I begin to ask myself this question what did take place in the time of Noah and when it said the time of Noah it's not talking about just the days before the flood when he got in the ark but what took place between the death of Abel Cain killed and then for the next 1,600 years, this is 1,600-year period between the death of Abel and the flood. That's a, that's a big time chunk, a big t- chunk of time. So now, I'm going to quote for you here from First Enoch. Chapter 48, verses 1 and 5. And this is what was written down in Enoch was alive about six, seven hundred years after Adam. At that hour, the Son of Man was given a name. In the presence of the Lord are the spirits. The before time. Even before the creation of the sun and the moon. Before the creation of the stars. He was given a name in the presence of the Lord of spirits. That is a profound revelation. Because we read in the New Testament. Before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain. Jesus existed, of course, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all existed. But here is a writing now that simply says that the Son of Man, I, I was wondering because he says, Jesus called himself the Son of Man. And where did he get that from? Well, he's called the Son of Man in the book of Enoch. And Jesus said many times, the Son of Man came for this, the Son of Man came for this and that. So, it's very interesting when you get into it. And then it says this, I'm reading now again. He will become the light of the Gentiles. He will become the hope of those who are sick in their hearts. And those who dwell upon the earth shall fall and worship before him. They shall glorify, bless, and sing the name of the Lord of spirits. For this purpose he became the chosen one. He was conceived in the presence of the Lord of the spirit prior to the creation of the world and for eternity now we do some more thinking here let's take the book of Job Job was a contemporary with Moses excuse me with Abraham 
Job and Abraham lived about the same time on this earth. Abraham left Ur and walked up. This is something Iraq and walked up and they, he came to the land of Canaan. Job apparently came from the east and he went down to a country that today is called Yemen. And uh, is next to the, to the Red Sea there. And so Job had no contact with Abraham. They lived in two different places. And in those days, there were no cars, there were no airplanes that you traveled by either horse, walked or camel. So from Canaan's land down to Yemen, uh, it was a good distance. You just didn't go there. It took weeks to travel from one place to the other. Where did Job get his theology? Where did he learn about God? How come that Job, he says that Job was a preacher of righteousness. Where did he get his stuff from? He he did not have what Abraham had. Or did he have what Abraham had? What did Abraham have? Well, Abraham had a story of the creation and what happened to the, after the flood and what happened after the flood. He also had the book of Enoch. Job also had the book of Enoch. And the book of Job was placed in the Old Testament. And the Bible says that Job, God loved Job. So we can see now that there was writings, was a writing someplace that talked about the Son of God, but was not part of Genesis. Now Genesis chapter 6 we talk about the giants and the Nephilims is a quote from the book of Enoch. The passage I just quoted from the book of Enoch shows that Adam and his sons <coughs> knew that the Son of Man was going to be the Messiah and that through him there would be salvation. Now Adam lived almost 900 years after he had sinned with Eve. So Adam lived at the same time that Enoch lived. Enoch came in later, but Adam and Enoch lived together for about 300 years. In Genesis... Chapter 3, verse number 15. We read the following. And I will put enmity between you and a woman, between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head, it shall bruise his heel. That is the first understanding of a redeemer. The word for God in Genesis chapter 1 is Elohim, which means God in Hebrew. The passage of Enoch points to the deity of the Son of Man, that he is eternal, and that one day every knee shall bow before him. This understanding by Enoch points out that his knowledge had come by revelation from God himself, which is what the Bible is telling us about Enoch that he walked with God in a special way. And I just previously read Hebrews 11.5. Book 1 of Enoch is found complete only in the Ethiopic, from Ethiopia, that version, for which many more than 40 manuscripts are known to exist in 1983. 
So, why in the world do we have the book of Enoch in Ethiopia? Well, if you have your Bible history, it's absolutely fascinating. When King Solomon was in power, the word was sent out to the nations around about his wisdom and the extravagance of palace he had in uh, Jerusalem and, of course, the temple that was a wonder at that time in the, in the earth, in the history. And who came to visit Solomon, King Solomon, the Queen of Sheba. Sheba is Ethiopia. So the Queen of Sheba was a black woman. So Ethiopia was a kingdom at the time of King Solomon, which would play the kingdom at the same time, about 930 years before Christ. So Queen Sheba came up and she was so impressed that she adopted the faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And she must have taken with her rabbis and teachers because Ethiopia became another Israel. And today we have Jews in Ethiopia. They are black Jews. And you know that for the, since Israel was founded, uh, they have rescued a number of Ethiopian Jews. They're still working on that. In, there are problems down there. But so Ethiopia accepted the Old Testament and they became Jews and they practiced circumcision. And this was done about 930 years before Christ. Now, let's go to the book of Acts. So in the book of Acts, we find that there is this eunuch from Ethiopia. He's coming up to Jerusalem to worship. Well, let me just shoot this into you because I don't know how much history you know. At the time before Jesus and the time after Jesus, when Jerusalem still stood, there were more Jews living outside Israel than lived in the land itself. Matter of fact, there was a million Jews living in Babylon, there was a million Jews living in in uh, Egypt and in Cyrene, uh, there were Jews in Italy, in Rome, there were Jews in Greece, there were millions of Jews, so the majority of the Jews lived outside. Every year, Jews in these different places would go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple, be part of the, of the festivities. They would come to the Passover. They would also come to Pentecost, which means 50 days after the Passover. That was another Jewish holiday, and it just so happened that the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. So most people forget that Pentecost is not a, about speaking in tongues and having the Holy Spirit, it is, but it that was a holiday for the Jews. So Jerusalem was a town where they lived on tourism. You have all these guys come in from different parts of the world, and you find that in the book of Acts chapter 2, that they simply said that the, the Jews speaking all kinds of different languages heard the Apostles, 120, speak in tongues in their languages. So, every year there was tens of thousands of people that would come up. 
They also came out from Ethiopia. The eunuch, he was in charge of the treasurer of the queen. He was a powerful political leader in Ethiopia. He was also Jewish. And his ancestors had been converted some 900 years earlier. And the queen of the Sheba. So here now is the unit coming up. And as he goes back home, Philip is told, go down to Gaza. I'll have a guy I want to talk to. And you can read the story in the book of Acts. How the unit comes down. He, he has a caravan. He sits in a chariot, has soldiers and everything. He's not a lone guy. And they ask, the Holy Spirit said, run up to the chariot and talk to him. Well, that, that was suicide because you run up to a chariot like that. They didn't know who you were. They would kill you. But Holy Spirit tells you to do something. It works. So the eunuch said, but I don't understand. I'm reading from Isaiah. I don't understand it. And Philip said, no problem. He got up in a chariot and he started telling about Jesus. And how laid it out, how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And then the eunuch said, what hinders me from being baptized? So Philip said, if you believe, we can do it. So they stopped the chair. Where they got the water from, I don't know, but there was some water there. And he got baptized. And then the Holy Spirit picked up Philip. He flew off uh, supernaturally. He was translated transferred and the eunuch went back to Ethiopia and now the eunuch began preaching Jesus Christ and some from being Jews some of them now in Ethiopia became Christians that's why you find in Ethiopia there are black Jews there are black Christians and they all date back to the book of Acts, and King Solomon. So that's why the book of Enoch, a copy of the book of Enoch, actually a scroll of the books of Enoch, was taken down to Ethiopia and preserved, because there are other copies in the world, but they are what they call polluted. But the Ethiopian version is in great shape. It has not been altered. And that's why we talk about the book of Enoch coming of the Ethiopian background. So, book one of Enoch is found complete in the Ethiopic, from the Ethiopia version. It's called the Gese version for which more than 40 manuscripts are known to exist as of 1983. So we got 40 manuscripts of the Book of Enoch from Ethiopia. And these are in Hebrew. The original language of Hebrew, but some of the book was written in a mixture of Hebrew and Aramaic, like the Book of Daniel, because the Book of Daniel was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. Fragments of Book 1 in Nun were found among the Dead Sea Scrolls, which date back to around 200 years before Christ. So fragments of the Book of Enoch was also found among the Dead Sea Scrolls, dating back to 200 years before Christ. Common sense should tell us that the written history of Adam and Eve has found in the Book of Genesis did not survive in its original writings. Instead, the knowledge was passed on from generation to generation. As each generation wrote down what they had learned. And it was Moses, who around 2,600 years of Adam, gathered the written material in and the oral history of Rodel was today known as a book of Genesis. 
And this brings me, let me just say that this was done in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. As Moses spoke to Jesus face to face and received instructions for the children of Israel, I am sure that Jesus also verified a written and oral tradition about the creation, the beginning of Adam and Eve, and how they fell into sin. I'm going to stop here today. And I really didn't get involved in today what you can do and not do and how it affects and so on. This was basically a historic background that I laid out for the Book of Enoch and why, we, why the Book of Enoch exists and why it is important. Because the Book of Enoch fills in a number of things that took place prior to Noah. And as Jesus said, as the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So with the book of Enoch, we can learn a whole lot what really took place before the flood, spiritually. Because what took place then is going to be repeated again during the time of the Antichrist. Well, I'm going to stop here today. Lord willing, creek won't rise. I'll be back here next week, and we will finish and discuss this here and lay this out for you. Now, if you say, I like to have the writings here. You can have it. It's Lesson 50 on my book, uh, Christian Dynamics, number four. All you have to do is to go to our website, write down, just write out an email. You have a contact page there, and simply said, I would like to have the outline that Pastor John is reading from for the book of Enoch. And actually, on Lesson 50, we deal with Enoch, and we will send that to you electronically. It will not cost you anything. It will cost you some time to order it. Let me just close and say this. We have a church. It's a little country church. It's out in the country, out of the boondocks. And every Sunday morning, we have church. We're located about 45 minutes from Sacramento. We are north of Sacramento. And if you live in the greater Sacramento area, if you live in Auburn, if you live in Yuba City, Marysville, um, Woodland, whatever, come and join us on a Sunday morning. Go to our website and simply write and say, I want to come to your church. We will contact you let you know how to get to a little place. And we start at 9.30 Sunday morning with uh, praise and worship. And uh, then at 9 o'clock, we start with prayer. About 9.30, I start preaching. And we webcast this. So if you don't live here and you can't come here, you can go to our website and you can be part of, of our worship service every Sunday. Now, if you live, time zone is not convenient for you, or if you go to church some other place and you'd like to hear it later on, you can go to our website, eac.org, and you can tap into the weekly webcast anytime from Sunday through the next Saturday. And then the next Sunday, we, we put a lot of program on so this one goes out. You can also find us on YouTube. You can also find us on our website where we have our uh, sermons. So you can get them in many different ways, but the, the website is the key, eac.org. So let me close here by talking about money because we need to talk about money. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with money. It's a love of money that's a root of all evil. But we need money. Um, and I want to support Shannon Davis. He's my friend. He's also the one that is running Omega Man. He is responsible to pay for all the different things that goes on, but he has to pay for different platforms, whatever. And also, he's doing it full-time which means that he has to have an income because he got a wife and he got three children. 
and uh, they are not yet translated into their spiritual bodies, so they need food, and they need clothing, they need shoes. So Channel needs some money. And so if you want to keep Omega Man going, and I say this every week, you need to support him financially. He has a website. Go to his website. He's a master in getting donations. He got about five or six different ways to give money to him. So just find one that's convenient for you and drop him a good offering and simply say, thank you, Shannon, for being there. I enjoy Omega Man Radio, and I want to make sure that you're coming back next week. So here's some money for you because it costs money. The gospel is free, but the packaging of the gospel costs money. So with that, God bless you. And if you got any questions for me on the Book of Enoch, write me. There's a contact form on our website, eac.org. Just write us, and uh, I'll be glad to talk to you on the phone. I will email, answer your email, whatever you want. So with that, God bless you. Back to Shannon. Brother John, thank you for those kind words. And coming on tonight, great teaching. What shall we title this episode in the archives? Well, we call it this, What About the Book of Enoch? Sounds good to me. We'll get this uploaded here in a few hours. Folks, get a copy. We'll see you next week, my brother. We love you. Love you, too. God bless you. God bless you. Folks, stay tuned. I'm going to save MixLR and refresh the browser. And we'll be ready here in two minutes. Okay, stand by. <laughs> 